Hi everybody, my name is Injin Moon and welcome to iHome Church. Um, this morning I would like to start off by really sending our love and prayers to Ono's family. I heard that uh, Sanja Ono uh, last night passed away at 7.45pm and um, we know that uh, she is in great hands. Um, she has now returned uh, to the embrace of our Heavenly Parent and also our True Father and also to many of her extended family who have gone before all of us to the other world. So um, we certainly um, pray for a, uh, a beautiful ascension and, uh, and during this time we would like to really support the owners with, uh, with our love and prayers. Um, this Sunday, I would like to talk about the topic, Beautiful Light. Um, I have a, um, a wonderful memory of Sonja. Um, I didn't know her too well, but she was part of GPA that I was responsible for before I left um, my position as the head of the American church. And after my departure, uh, I really wanted to show support for women pastors that were still active uh, in our community. So I went to New Hampshire and, uh, you know, Heather Tolheimer, wonderful sister, um, has uh, started uh, Faith Fusion and was really trying her best to uh, lead the New Hampshire family. Uh, in the best of ways, and I really wanted to support her as that woman pastor, uh, and um, you know wanted to encourage her and um, really support the work that she was doing. And she had invited me for this one uh, Sunday in particular, uh, and that Sunday she would be addressing a group of GPA that would also be attending uh, the Faith Fusion Sunday service. So. Of course, you know, when my husband and I and my family walked in, there were a lots of uh, stares and a lots of, uh, you know, surprised faces, and, uh, which was to be expected. And uh, I am sure there was, you know, quite a few grumblings in the audience and uh, why are they here, you know, maybe they shouldn't be here or uh, what is the reason they are there. But nevertheless, the Sunday service carried on. And one of the things that was really beautiful about their Sunday service was um, Heather invited different GPAs to really come and give their testimonials about, um, I guess, the recent set of lectures that they had heard. And I remember Sonja being one uh, who was um, really asked to give a testimony, and she gave a beautiful testimony of uh, what she learned um, sitting through the Divine Principle Lectures. And, you know, I found her to be a quite eloquent and a well-put-together young lady. And, uh, but the wonderful thing that I remember about her is that afterwards, um, we were saying goodbye and, you know, quite a few of the GPA um, kids, you know, they followed us out to say goodbye. And um, I just remember, you know, you can, you can tell a lot about the person, not by what they say, uh, but really, when you look into the eyes, the eyes speak more powerfully than the words coming out of the mouth many times, because the eyes are the mirrors of the soul and the heart. 
And, you know, many people were saying many things, but I remember looking into Sonja's eyes and uh, her eyes were extremely clear, and uh, which led me to feel that her heart was incredibly clear. And despite all the things that she could not make sense of, there was a genuine uh, desire to connect in heart with me at that very, very brief moment. And I felt that now here is a young lady uh, that has incredible potential to really be and to become that beautiful daughter of God. And that was really kind of my last uh, encounter with her that I remember. So when I heard that she had passed on, um, I know that both heaven and earth, you know, we have the unity of heaven and earth right now in the Bodzi, um, represented by true parents. We have true father up in heaven. We have our true mother here. And I jokingly say to my husband many times, you know, there's always... Uh, a need for great people, <laughs> both up in heaven and both here on earth. And um, of course, it's God's will where uh, we are going to go. But um, when it is our time to go, it is certainly uh, a journey um, and a privilege to really kind of go back and into the embrace of our heavenly parents from where we came. And so I know that Sonja is in a beautiful place and, um, and in a very short amount of time, she was able to leave this legacy of love in that what I remember about her or I remember about the personhood of this young lady is that, is that look of love or the eyes that were clear and the heart that was clear. And really, at the end of the day, the big question we really should be asking ourselves is, what is the quality of our lives? And when we genuinely ask this question from an honest place, it allows us an opportunity to kind of look at ourselves or reflect on ourselves in a way that we need to look at ourselves, you know, free from the different concerns that we may have or the different positions that we may hold in our community, so on and so forth. We really have to take the time to genuinely look at, are we coming from an honest place, desiring to really uh, have that quality in our life, the quality of living a life of true love as, this, as men and women of true love. And that's really the most important question of the day. And so when I was thinking about this, um, uh, I uh, was reminded of this beautiful poem that uh, Ms. Um, Alexandra De Debograv had uh, given to me many, many years ago. And for those of you who know her, she is the wife of Arnold Debograv, who was the editor-in-chief of the Washington Times for many, many years. And she really is a lady, an elegant lady, who is beautiful on the inside as well as the outside. So what she had done was she created or published a book of her poems set to the beautiful art work of um, uh, a lot of... Um, Middle Eastern and uh, really beautiful um, uh, 
paintings, and uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful collection of um, poems um, that is just displayed beautifully in this incredible pictures that follow each poem. But there is this one poem in particular that she wrote, it's called Swallow in Flight. A swallow being that migratory small bird um, in flight. And for me, this poem is quite poignant and I like to kind of revisit it from time to time because for me, it's really a poem about being on the journey or in, in my life of faith or in my life. And the poem reads like this. Let kindness grow within me when my day has begun. Like a flower opens its heart to the warmth of the sun. Let grace guide my steps like a swallow in flight. As I seek a higher place upon which to alight, let hope be the wind that fills my sail and keeps me as steady as the shell of a snail. Let, let joy fill my spirit when I am touched by love, whether it is as brief as a flutter of a white-winged dove. Let compassion allow me to see those in need, like the tree offers its shelter to the solitary seed. Let wisdom be gained from each stone I've turned and bring peace with the night from lessons I've learned. And I love this poem because, um, you know, it's really a poem, as I said, about being on that journey. And we all um, have our own unique journey. But at the end of the day, what we aspire to be is to be that men and women of wisdom in that all the things that we have learned along the way or in our flight becomes a rich reservoir of the kind of love that we can share again with the rest of the world. And I like this poem in particular because, as we know, uh, we have, who have studied you know, many psychologists or different thinkers, we know that thoughts lead to words and our and our words leads to actions, and our actions leads to habits, and our habits leads to character, and our character really defines our destiny. So when she writes, let kindness grow within me, uh, it, you know, when we decide uh, to be a kind person, it has to be a decision on our part. We have to make that choice to be kind. But she's asking all of us to really make that decision grow within us when the day begins. So when the curtain parts to reveal a brand new day, the big question is, have we decided to start the day with kindness? And like a flower opens its heart to the warmth of the sun, when we decide to be kind, we need to do so like the warmth of the sun. And for those of us who knows the story of uh, the wind and the sun fighting each other to see who can be victorious in, in, um, in the, in the uh, 
the stranger uh, walking on the path. Um, you know, both the sun and the wind wanted to uh, get the coat off of this uh, journeyman. And we know that ultimately it is not the strength of the wind, but it is the warmth of the sun that really allows the man to take off the coat. And so in that same genteel manner, this decision to be kind and decision to practice that on a daily basis is the way, is the kind of a way that we can really start changing ourselves and changing the world around us. And she writes on to say, let grace guide my steps. And everybody knows that the word grace really means an elegance of manner. But it's kind of interesting how she says, let grace guide our steps. Because when we are elegant in manner, the first expression of that um, before our, the way we carry our bodies is the way we impart language onto the other. And so we need to be watchful and we need to be mindful when we are being elegant in manner, elegant in our speech, because each word that we impart onto the universe become those very steps that we take to become the kind of a person that we want to be. And she says, let hope be the wind that fills my sail. Um, and the hope for me is kind of like the actions that we decide to take. The kind of a decision process that we need to make, not only in our thoughts, but not only in our speech, but also in our actions determine the kind of a person uh, that we are going to be. And um, the actions kind of express a certain kind of hope that we see in ourselves to be that incredible divine son and a daughter of God, to be that men and women of true love. We're not only going to think it, we're not only going to speak it, but we're actually going to live and do uh, as if we are working towards becoming that men and women of true love. And she says, let joy fill the spirit. And um, this is kind of like a call uh, for me to remind myself that great actions become great habits. And habits are formed, uh, and good habits are formed by doing it every day. It's through repetition. It's through practice. And instead of doing it begrudgingly, uh, complaining <laughs> with a whole lot of resentment, we need to learn how to do these things, these repetitive things that become great habits in a joyful manner that fills the spirit. And even if that joy is as brief as a flutter of a white-winged dove, even if it's just for a second or two, regardless of how short the fluttering might be, if we can if we can appreciate it for the beauty that it brings, for the joy that fills, that brings to our spirit and to our hearts, and we keep on going because we know that we have a larger purpose or a bigger goal that we would like to accomplish, then we can do incredible things. And she writes, let compassion allow me to see those in need. And for me, compassion is really kind of an expression of our character, of what our character needs to be. Many times we know what to do, 
but we find it very difficult to express it in a compassionate manner because maybe we have some you know, unresolved conflicts in our own mind that prevents us from doing the right thing. But regardless of how difficult the situation can be, can we be or can we learn how to be that compassionate person when we see the need? That's the big question we need to be asking ourselves. And then she writes, let wisdom be gained from each stone I've turned and bring peace with the night from lessons I've learned. So again, wisdom is, comes through the ears, through the experience of loving, through the experience of joys and difficulties and through the experience of the laughter and tears. But if we can continue to go on with a sense of purpose, the thoughts, the words, the actions, the habits, the character ultimately will define our destiny. And our, the purpose of our lives, really our destiny, is to be that men and women of love, of true love. Because God created us not because he wanted to see just beautiful children just floating around the universe having a great time, yes, but because he and she, as that heavenly parent, desired a relationship with their sons and daughters. They desire an incredible, profound and a meaningful relationship with you and me. And so when Father says, in November 16, 1985, the living God wants to relate with us. God is not wanting to just command us or to tell us what to do. God wants to relate with us because God is not some, somebody, somebody who's sitting up on a throne just, you know, just existing for the sake of existing, but God is a living God. God is a living parent that want to have that relationship with their son and their daughter. So the living God, Father says, wants to relate with us not merely in context of scriptures and rituals. Really becoming that men and women of God is not about or not only about reading scripture and following the rituals. I think a lot of people uh, following different religions, including our community or different unificationist communities all around the world, think that the only thing we need to do is to just read scripture, read Father's words, and uh, you know, do all the rituals that is, uh, that is demanded of a unificationist, and we are going to be great. We're going to be doing well. But that's not what God wants. In a way, the rituals and the scriptures help us guide us towards uh, God and help us, help us guide ourselves towards true parents. But the ultimate destiny, the ultimate goal that we are looking for is to develop that connection of heart that can only come by having a relationship, a living and a breathing and a growing relationship with God and our true parents and our families. 
And so Father goes on, the living God wants to relate with us not merely in context of scriptures and rituals, but rather dwelling in the hearts of people who keep God's will in their minds and live it in their daily life. So what Father is saying is the living God, God is living with us each and every day. And God wants a relationship. But the only way God can have a relationship with us is if we are open in our hearts. If, we, if our hearts are open enough to really receive God and really be the place where God wants to dwell and can dwell. You know, only in that way can we have the kind of connection and the kind of relationship that God desires and isn't that ultimately what we desire in our life? To have that incredible, profound and a meaning relationship with God and profound and meaning relationship with our true parents? That's what I want. But guess what? That's exactly what God, our heavenly parent, wants. And so I think many times in a religious life, um, you know, we kind of get stuck on the word um, uh, we don't really understand what it means uh, to have or to really be devoted to a, a living God. We don't really know what it means to be really living the principle. We know that we have this incredible gift of the divine principle uh, that really governs the universe. And it clearly uh, uh, sets out a wonderful argument as to why true father is the Messiah and our true parents are the Messiah of all mankind. But that's not enough. Just knowing and just being able to read the divine principle is not enough. What God wants is for us to not just read the divine principle, God wants us as sons and daughters to become the living principle. And this is a challenge for I think a lot of religious communities because the history of religion has really been one of restoration. And so in order to undo the process of the fall, we had to kind of go against everything that we were supposed to be doing in the ideal sense. Um, and unfortunately, many times uh, humankind were left to think that the process of renovation or the restoration was the ideal or the epitome of the kind of life that a believer should lead. And therefore, when Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago and he died for the sake of others, in a way, dying for the sake of others kind of be became this uh, incredible epitome of how a believer or a faithful follower should be. And thus, life became a, an opportunity for you to really self-negate or to live a life of self-denial because it was ultimately selfishness that led to the fall. And Jesus Christ, because of the failures of the Israelites to really rally around and unite with Jesus uh, at the time of his crucifixion 2,000 years ago, he had to go the way of the cross and could not fulfill or complete his mission, which was to establish 
the true parents of all mankind and bestow this incredible gift of the blessing or the holy matrimony ceremony. So the Christian world and uh, many of the believers of Christ came to understand that somehow dying for the sake of others became the epitome of a Christian faithful life. And so in incredible self-denial, um, aesthetic forms of life tended to be seen as the ideal, isolating oneself from the world because the world is so evil. And so you literally had to, you know, tear yourself apart from the world and live somewhere up in the, in the, in the cold and lonely hills and mountaintops and um, in, in the middle of deserts many times. Uh, where you worked on uh, really overcoming mind over body and um, just concentrating on your individual salvation. But we know that Jesus' full mission was not to play this part of this Christian understanding of Christ as this man of suffering as this man of incredible pain, dying for the sins of the world. Jesus was born to be much more than that. And we know through the teachings of true parents and through the teachings of my father, the Reverend Sam Myung Moon, that Jesus was to find, was supposed to have found a wife and create a family. So instead of living a life of sacrifice where you are kind of encouraged to live a life of self-denial. Um, true parents bring the message of not self-denial, but self-fulfillment. Being that inspired men and women of God, understanding that we are the temples of the divine light that we need to share with the rest of the world. It is a message of incredible hope because instead of thinking of men and women as fallen and decrepit and, and in a way worthless without uh, being tapped by the Holy Spirit of God and of Jesus Christ. Father and mother, the true parents bring an incredibly hopeful message for the sons and daughters of God. We are God's children. We are God's sons and daughters. We have that incredible divine light within us. But the only thing we need to do is connect it to the living source or the living water, or to God and to true parents. And so instead of teaching uh, the, the philosophy of sacrifice and, and self-denial, what Father is bringing is really the self, really the message of living your life for the sake of others, not dying for the sake of others, but living your life for the sake of others. So instead of sacrifice, because you have to live a life of suffering and self-negation and self-denial, that's the only way you can really prove to the world that you are an incredible follower or a disciple of Christ. Father is saying, we need to live a life living for the sake of others, deciding to give, not just because we want heaven's reward. In other words, many times in Christian understanding, we sacrifice our lives because we want heaven's reward. But Father is saying, and Mother is saying, we give and we choose to give. And we choose to live the philosophy of living for the sake of others just because. Not because of some reward, but just because. We are so privileged to be living at this time to be able to give to others. 
It's a beautiful, hopeful, and a fulfillment message. And instead of self-denial, true parents teach the importance of self-fulfillment. We are the temples of God, and we are the temples of true love. We need to become all that we can be, and we can do so when we are connected to the source, to God and to parents. And instead of living an ascetic life apart from the world, true parents call and God calls for us to live within the world and become that light onto the world by getting married, having the experience of creating families, and anybody that has family know that it's a really monumental task. But going through that monumental task of actually substantiating a family and building a family, we deal with all the different obstacles and problems and in the process of resolving, in the process of um, overcoming, in the process of growing, we become incredible men and women of God. And instead of just thinking about living a life of self-denial for individual salvation, like the way many times we've been taught in the Christian faith, true parents say, hey, it's not just about our individual salvation. We have to think and live with the thought of the other. What good is it if we are individually saved and sitting up in heaven all alone without our families? True parents come to emphasize the importance of family salvation. And thus, when you look at the whole world as one family under God, then we not only have to think about our own individual salvation, but we need to think about the world's salvation. And so it's an incredibly powerful message. And this is the power of living for the sake of others. Because living, we got to grow. And just like there are four seasons in a year, when we live throughout our lives, we will experience spring, we will experience summer, we will experience incredible fall, harvest season, you know, where all the wonderful vegetables and fruits um, we can have at our table. And we will also experience the coldness and the severity of winter. And many times, I think lots of us are thinking, well, we're smack in the middle of really dark times in the unification faith. Our father has ascended up to heaven and our, our family is being torn apart. It is the winter of all winters. But many times, the winters are necessary because the winter prepares the world for spring, for rebirth and for the continuation of the seasons and the life cycle that perpetuate on. So regardless of what season we are in, the most important thing that we need to be mindful of is are we really being that living principle of a son and a daughter of God? Really living towards creating or manifesting that connection of heart that our true father talks about, that our living God, our heavenly parent want to experience with us in our lives. And so that we can say to God, God, instead of lighting my way, I am going to decide today to be the one to light your way. I am going to light your way so that you can experience 
the kind of love that you have been longing for for over 6,000 biblical years. And what is more beautiful gift than that to God as we approach the Christmas holidays and, uh, and a beautiful uh, new year just around the corner? So brothers and sisters, let's decide to tell God, God, let me light your way because I am going to be this beautiful light and I am going to live my life leaving a legacy of true love. And thank God for the message, thank true parents for the guidance, but I am going to do the difficult part of plugging in to the source. So thank you, God. Thank you, true parents. Thank you, all the brothers and sisters all around the world. Isn't that a great prayer? I think so. So have a wonderful week. Take care. If you have any questions and comments, please leave them below the video or go to injimood.com and use the contact form. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list. And for those of you who want to contribute to our work here at iHome Church, just click on the donate button. Thank you.